Jensen presents the Keith Lowell Jensen Show with Keith Lowell Jensen. All right. Wow, what a peppy theme song we have. Hello, this is the Keith Lowell Jensen Show. I'm your host, Keith Lowell Jensen. Uh, as always, I'm going to start off by thanking our wonderful sponsors because it wouldn't happen without them. Burley Beverages. Go visit them at burleybeverages.com. I made a promise early in this podcast that I would never tell you I liked something I didn't like. And uh, I didn't want to didn't want that to be hard. <laughs> so I went after uh, sponsors that I really liked. And the folks at Burley Beverages are great. I've always loved them. We'd see each other at festivals and shows that I would do. They make artisanal gourmet soda syrups and old-timey shrubs. Um, these are great for cocktails, uh, but especially for mocktails. Um, look, your non-drinking friends are tired of being offered a Sprite. Okay, uh, if you can offer them a pineapple nutmeg shrub, you are so much cooler of a host. Uh, so, you know, if you're a drinker, these syrups will be great for you, but also to have something to mix up. It's a party. No one wants to sit around drinking a can of Sprite at a party. Sorry, Sprite. I don't think you were going to sponsor us anyway, but um, <laughs> give them something fancy, something cool, something different. You can go order stuff at burleybeverages.com. And if you use the discount code KLJRULES, written as all one word with a Z for the last letter instead of an S, you'll get 15% off of your order. And if you happen to be in the Sacramento area, stop by and say hello. The Burley Tasting Room is still open, but they're doing social distancing and masks and keeping you safe. They're on Del Paso Boulevard. Um, go by and see them. It's, uh, it's a cool little shop. I think you would like it. So um, also, I have to ask you, dear listener, to do me a huge favor. Please subscribe if you haven't already and leave us a review. This is the best thing that you can do to support this podcast and keep it going. It really does make a huge difference. We have had more subscribers in the last month than in the whole five months prior to that, that we've been doing this podcast. Uh, so it's picking up and it gets us in the algorithm better and it's awesome. Um, hello to all of you in St. Louis that are listening and Irving, Texas and Seattle and Brooklyn uh, in Europe. <laughs> it's so funny. They're so specific. They're like Irving, Texas. But then for Europe, they're like, and Europe. <laughs> so all the many countries in Europe, Oceania. Um, uh, I don't think we have any from Africa yet. Uh, Asia, hello. Um, so yeah, all you continents and cities in Texas, uh, hello. And thank you for listening. Say hello. Uh, I'm a stand-up comedian. I'm used to like a level of feedback that I'm not getting on this podcast, which is fine. I, I still am really enjoying talking to my guests, but man, it would be so awesome to hear from you. Tell me what you like about the podcast. Just say hello and let me know you're listening. Tell me what you hate about the podcast. What you'd like me to change or what things I could do in the future. Just, uh, I'm all over Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Keith Lowell. Very easy to get to, to find me. And I would love to talk to you about the podcast and get some feedback. But today I get to talk to a good friend of mine, J.R. de Guzman. Although, to be honest with you, I talked to J.R. some time ago for the punchline in Sacramento. Uh, they had me hosting things for their Instagram show as they were shifting to a pandemic format. And I got to interview J.R. de Guzman. And it was uh, my pleasure. He's a great friend of mine and very, very funny. So we're going to play that interview for you now and, and let you hear it. Uh, but first, let me tell you a little bit about J.R. J.R. de Guzman was born in the Philippines and raised in California. He began performing comedy while working as a music teacher, which he quickly learned just meant teaching Taylor Swift songs to teenagers. Uh, a lot of comedians say they've performed all over the world. I say that. But if you really look into it, I've only performed in the United States, Canada, and China. But as soon as I say China, people assume that that wasn't the third country on my list. They were like, well, he performed in China. He must have performed all over Europe and everything. And I let people think that. But no, on a fluke, I got to go to Shanghai, China. Not J.R. de Guzman. He has literally performed all over the world, including in Tokyo, Indonesia, Amsterdam. Um, just travels constantly. J.R. combines music and comedy, serenades the audience into laughter with songs, jokes, and stories about traveling the world, a life after college, and his family. In 2016, J.R. won the stand-up NBC competition, and then the next year was named as a uh, new face at the uh, Just for Laughs Comedy Festival. 
I don't know if people outside of the comedy world know, but those are two of the biggest things you can get as a comedian. Those are career makers right there. Um, you can catch JR's quarter hour Netflix special on the comedy lineup on Netflix and also catch him on coming to the stage season two on Hulu and on Comedy Central's Kevin Hart Presents Heart of the City and MTV's Acting Out. So JR's all over the place. Check out his album. He's on the same record label I am, 800 Pound Gorilla Records. He actually got me onto the label, which we talk about in the interview. Uh, But he did an album called Dual Citizen, and it debuted at number one on iTunes and Billboard uh, for comedy. And they play it on Sirius XM Radio's Laugh USA. So uh, check him out. But for now, uh, here is my chat with JR from uh, about, I think, two or three months into the pandemic shelter in place enjoy ah jr de guzman how are you sir good so uh, good to have you here with me let me put my airpods in real quick i'm gonna let you put those airpods in all right yeah man i you were talking about the 800 pound gorilla record shirt i'm like oh man i should have i should put something on i should just hold like a a cd or something i should have messaged you that i was gonna you know we could have been samesies (laughs) <laughs> yeah they they got to get me more swag though this is it this is all i've got is a shirt i mean come on i want a jacket a hat i know yeah just underwear, socks everything dude the work <laughs> they need to get all so, we should hit them up we should talk about that it would just be for us nobody else would buy it i think that's what we're doing right now we're hitting them up uh hey yeah. hey our record label what's up with the free swag <laughs> why are you leaving us hanging um Real quick before I, I do have some questions for you, but I want to ask, where are you? I'm in Sacramento. Yeah. This I'm is my, this, yeah. This is like AAA. Are you in a safe place? Yes. I'm ready to do this. I'm safe. I'm parked. <laughs> yeah. yeah you're, you're parked. Uh, are you in a house or in a van? I'm in a house right now. Yeah. You're in so, a house. We'll get to that. I have questions about oh, that later. Dude, I have so much, so much to say about it. So good. I'll <laughs> leave, I'll leave a lot of room for that portion. I don't know if you know this, but I have a lot to say about that subject too. Really? No, I didn't know that. Okay. Oh, we'll we'll talk. Hang on. (laughs) Audience at home scratching your heads, you wait. It'll be worth it. But the first thing I want to do is I want to start off with your biography because you have an interesting biography. You were um, were born in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. And how old were you when you came to the States? I was about one year old. I was just a little little newborn baby. Okay. And then did you go back to the Philippines uh, much as a child? Yeah, so ever since probably age 16, I've been back almost every year. Okay, but starting at 16. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what that was. It was just like maybe at that point my parents were like, I think they're ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wonder, um, I'm, I'm third generation. My grandparents came over, but, but my parents were, were born here. I wonder with immigrant parents if that's a fear of theirs that they'll be in one country and then their kids will choose to go live in the country they left. Cause you, you want yeah. your kids in the same country as you, I imagine. True. Well, both my brothers ended up moving back for uh, not, see? not completely, but like for school <laughs> for maybe six years, both did six years over there. So maybe your parents knew what they were doing when they kept you away till you were 16. Yeah. Well, that was also the first time I ever drank was in the Philippines at 16. So. Oh, okay. What, so what are the, um, what are the liquor laws like for younger um, people in the Philippines? Oh man, it's probably, what is it like? It's probably like a family reunions liquor laws where it's like, okay. you know, yeah, they're like, there's, I think you, I want to say it's like maybe 18 is the drinking age, but then I feel yeah. like, um, they don't kind of, they kind of don't care either. Okay. I mean, you probably couldn't walk into a bar or go into a liquor store and buy, but they're not going to sweat you if you're, I find most places I travel to, they don't sweat you if your parents give you a sip of wine or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, or like France, if you're JR and you get shit faced and throw up in your own pants. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. They don't sweat you. No, they look past it for sure. Well, when when we were doing that, it was I did sneak into a club. I had I borrowed my brother's ID. Oh, okay. And so they thought I was of age as well. And it's like, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so and and you continue to go back frequently. Yeah, yeah. Like I, the last time I was back was just last May, last 2019 May. Cool. I'm so glad that your family did come here, not only because we got you, a great comedian, but because your mom is a wonderful dentist. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, she's, she's doing a lot. She's doing a lot for America. <laughs> I'm just telling jokes, so. <laughs> You're just telling jokes. Um, so I 
was saying in the introduction before you came on that I've, I've had the unique experience with you that I've seen you from the very, very beginning. In fact, I did I see you before you went on stage for the first time? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I was, I, I was doing like some improv class stuff at okay. UC Davis, but my first time ever doing stand-up was through your class. Okay. And then, yeah. And I think the graduation thing was a showcase. Or like right. Open, open mic. It was a, yeah, we would, we would showcase at the open mic and then the open mic would be packed that night. Did your parents come? No. They didn't. That's surprising because your parents are at yeah. almost every show uh, that's in town. Your parents are very supportive. Well, I didn't tell them about it. I didn't tell them about it either. You know why? Why is that? I didn't tell anybody about it. You know, I didn't. I didn't want anyone to see the first set. You know, I feel like people for who it's a bucket list thing tell everyone. Yes. Someone like yourself, and and I think like myself, the first time we did it, we knew that we wanted to do this a lot. Yeah. And so we were like, well, we'll invite them when we get good. <laughs> there wasn't that like this might be the only time. I think it's because you actually like really care about it. It's not really like just about yourself. And I think the people who sort of start and do like, oh, I'm going to tell everybody and come. It's a little bit like it's like I, I know I'm going to be good at this thing. And I know like they're just going to love me after. For me, it's like, no, I want to like actually do good and try it. And I'm sure yours you know, as someone who's, who's like doing it as a career, it's like you really cared about it too. So yeah, and I think we knew early on that we wanted to—not that we were gonna be able to—but we at least wanted to, and we're honest with ourselves that we cared about it that much. Yeah. How how'd your first time go? So the graduation thing, your open mic, like I was nervous about that being my first one, so I actually did one before that. Ah, you snuck did, one in. Good I for did you. One, yeah, I want to say it was Valentine's Day. There was an open mic, and it was as it was decent. In my head, I'm like, in the moment, I was like, oh my god, I think I'm I might be like pretty good at this. Nice. But, like looking back, compared to what you see st- people can actually do with stand up, it was probably mediocre at best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the best we can hope for. I mean, no yeah. one's gonna come out the gate, you know. Yeah. Do you, I remember you you had an, us like write down on was this your exercise to write down on index cards like the title on one side and then the joke on the back. Um. Yeah. I, I usually I, I don't know if I always have people write out the whole joke long form, but I really encourage people to have give their jokes a title and then make a set list like a band would. You don't have to bring that on stage with you, or maybe you can leave it in your back pocket. Yeah. Um, so, so it's there if you need it. Hmm. Um, but yeah, that that's something I do, and I still carry an index card on stage with me. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah, <laughs> Combination of bad memory and I and I write a lot. <laughs> well, that was the, that, w- that was helpful because it helped me start to think about set list in just like a one word title, and then knowing what the joke is based on that title that helped a lot. Uh, people ask me a lot about memorization, and it's like it really helps if you just memorize a list instead of having to memorize countless words. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell me this, because I remember this, and I don't know how accurately I remember it. Did you come to me early on and tell me that some of your peers were giving you grief about the guitar, and you asked me what I thought about the guitar? I don't, rem- I don't remember, but I'm sure that was a thing early on, for sure. I don't remember what, what, was that a thing it. you were a little insecure about? Oh, totally. Like, especially, you know, going, showing up at an open mic and just being, like, the only guy with a guitar. Like, some people would, you know, like, give me some, like, I don't know what the word is, not slack, but, you know like yeah talk bad about it and constructive criticism <laughs> constructive criticism that's what comics do you know it's that's like, totally what we do <laughs> i'm like okay how can i make that make me get better <laughs> how can i not be a bitch right how can I use that to not be a bitch? whereas i'm yeah, over here going no lean into it lean into being a bitch you'll yeah. be the best bitch out there jr yeah, lean into it man that's my oh. whole goal right now every day just have a thing like try to be biggest bitch you can baby right (laughs) i i because i worked with a lot of comics that were just getting started i constantly got comedians coming to me telling me the kind of advice they were getting from peers yeah and i find that anything you have that sets you apart makes you unique someone else is going to criticize and i think like bobcat goldthwait probably got told all the time to stop yelling (laughs) yeah and that's I bet, sort of um, gave them the whole pathway. Yeah. Right. That's what made them different. Mitch Hedberg probably got told to stop looking at his feet, you know? <laughs> totally. Yeah. There, there's probably so much feedback that Mitch Hedberg got that was like, yeah, you just need to like a little more move around on the stage more, be more outgoing, it, which is so not why we love him, which is that's which not what's, Yeah. He's just so charming and sweet. 
So um, I had a funny memory with your dad where uh, I was teasing him at Luna's. Uh, I've heard a lot of comedians with immigrant parents talk about their parents not being thrilled that they went into comedy. Yeah. You know, sure. Uh, immigrants work really hard to get established here. And usually it's so their kids go to college and become a professional. So I was teasing your dad afterwards and I said, oh, you know, I'm sure that's you. You love that you're your first generation American son has gone into comedy. And he said, uh, no, I support JR being funny. And I thought, ah, oh, his dad doesn't get that I'm joking. Yeah. And then he said, if JR wants to, he can be funny. He can be a funny doctor. Yeah. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, oh no, his dad's actually funnier than me. Okay, this is cool. <laughs> have yeah, your parents dad, always, good. Uh-huh. have they always been that supportive? Um. <laughs> You know, it's fun. that's a funny question because I interviewed my dad the other day. I'm I'm bored okay. over here, bro. You know, I'm really like, sure. <laughs> like so. I, I did a I interviewed my dad like as like a podcast episode, which I haven't put out. I just now it's just a collection for me to interview my dad and figure out if he loves me. But <laughs> like, I keep meaning to do that with my dad as well. Yeah, yeah. Just hey, it's for a podcast, dad. I swear. Right. <laughs> I asked him about it and he was saying um, now now he's pretty supportive. He's like, you know, you just like do whatever you like. That makes you happy. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> but, but when I started, he was very like they were they were always asking me like, oh, OK, like when are you going to go to the Philippines like your brothers and do dentistry? They were always asking it. But I think are both your brothers now, dentists? They're in school for dentistry right now. Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. Both of them and their wives. And their wives and my mom. Family dentists. Yep. So when are you going to go to the Philippines and go to school and become a dentist? Yeah, probably. That's a good question, man. <laughs> oh, man. Every day I question it. You know, anytime I feel like giving up, I'm like, well, dentistry doesn't look so bad right now, you know? <laughs> See, I've, I've often said the one thing that kept me going during those hard times is that I didn't have anything else. <laughs> it's, man, that's so true. I've heard that thing though, and I know you're joking, but there's the whole thing. Like when I started, somebody said, "If you have a fallback plan, you will fall back." So I, yeah. was, I always kept that in the back of my mind. I was like, "There's no fallback. This is what I'm gonna do. Yeah, yeah. Even if I, you know, end up on the streets or something, I'll, I have to keep doing it." So your parents may have been having their doubts or, or wondering, you know, how long you're gonna do this, but they did also come to your shows. They laughed. Yeah. They, I mean, your family would pack out a row or two. Oh, yeah. People were booking me just because they knew there was going to be a bunch of Filipinos at the show. <laughs> <laughs> if there's anyone listening who's not uh, comedy, who's not a comedian or in the industry, uh, yeah, the term is a bringer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we would, bookers will always book someone that's going to, you know, they have a big family that's going to come out or whatever. That person's a bringer. <laughs> dude, dude, I have the best story. There was, I did a show at Last Unlimited and um, there was a whole nother group of Asian people there, like maybe like 50 of them. And, and they weren't your Asians. They were not my Asians. Just, <laughs> just free-roaming Asians, you know, right. on the prairie. And this guy, the booker of the show, was like, hey, man, I'm really impressed that you brought so many people. I look back at my head. I don't know any of these people. And he was like, I'm going to have you on this next show. I'm going to have you close out, all this stuff. And nice. I, I think I brought, like, maybe five people to that show. And he was, you know, but. Take it, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, that's kind of a racist assumption on his part. So uh, might as well benefit you, right? Benefit from it, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> use, use his privilege. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you about uh, Diego Curiel. Oh, yeah. Diego. And the oh, reason, the reason I wanted to ask you about Diego is that I get me and Johnny Taylor work together in a lot of the same way as you and Diego. Yeah, and I like having a, a best friend who's also a comedian who's who's like a road dog. So totally. how how did that happen with you and Diego, and and what kind of uh, ridicule do you get from other comedians about it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so funny. Tell, uh, tell us your romance. <laughs> oh, we have we have a hardcore romance, Diego and I. Um, yeah, Diego was at the first. He was at that graduation open mic. Okay, and. I That's was, because Diego's at every open mic ever, always. Dude, oh my God. When I started, that dude works. Diego was one of the guys that was just always working, obsessed, yep. and he would never stop riffing, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. There, there's some comics who do it, like, you know, it's just, it was just sort of in his blood. He would get off stage and he's still tagging everything you say. Couldn't stop, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, he came up to me before I even went on stage. He saw that I was writing at Mr. Pickles, the sandwich store next door. Right. 
and was like, hey, man, like you're like you're going on stage. Yeah, I'll watch your set. And then uh, and then I did my set. And he was like, hey, that was pretty good. He was like giving me feedback and stuff. Nice. And then um, he booked me to go do shows with him first. Like I was going on the road for his shows. And then eventually it just just blossomed into a we would write together. Anytime someone would talk shit about either one of us, we would just check in with each other. <laughs> right. Are you doing okay? But uh, no, he's just he's just a good, he's just a very loyal friend. And it's like, especially in the comedy world, it's, you know, you, know, you kind of need your crew, just like you're talking about with Johnny. You need those totally. people that like, you know, there's some people who love you when you're up and then disappear when you're down and vice versa right. or whatever. So I just, I just know Diego is always going to be one of those guys, like, even when I'm a dentist, he'll still be tagging my job. <laughs> <laughs> you could be a funny dentist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now I'm I'm re- totally revising my memory of talking to your father because I went from oh he doesn't know I'm joking to oh he's even funnier than me, and now I'm like no no he wasn't joking he really. Uh, he, he was, <laughs> <laughs> you could be a funny dentist. Yeah. Um, let me ask you about comedying in the time of COVID. How's this been for you? Man, ups and downs, you know, to just to be really honest, but it's, I feel like I found a good groove within it too. Okay. Because uh, doing Zoom shows or? Yeah, I've been, it's like a mix. I've been doing Zoom shows and because I do music, I've been able to like, I have like a whole recording setup here. So I've been like recording oh, stuff. Yeah. Like recording my songs finally, which I've never really done because I'm cool. just always focused on the road. So the positive, like the hard parts where it's like in the very beginning, it's like, this is such a big part of my identity. It's like, it felt like, I don't, I don't know if this is a spoiler for anybody if they watched Game of Thrones, but like when Jamie Lannister like lost his sword fighting arm, you know? Right. It's like, wait, who That's, am I? If I don't it's have a good analogy. Yeah. And uh, that was a really hard time. And then it forced me to be like, well, I'm not just, I just can't sit in this forever. I have to figure out what right. do I do? So that that's the part I'm really thankful for. And what do you, what kind of adjustments do you have to make? I imagine it's a little different for you because like I said, you do have the songs, but when you do the zoom shows, what adjustments do you make compared to a live show to make it work? Yeah. Well, you know, at a comedy club, if someone's heckling or whatever, or you can riff on their like, Oh, this guy in the front, whatever on this one, one of the most fun adjustments for me is I can see into people's homes so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like if you're gonna start heckling like good luck because i'm gonna talk about your interior decoration and all right <laughs> man that cat is ugly <laughs> i yeah. think you should go see a vet you know you got a street cat in your house right <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's uh it's been weird i think my favorite thing i've heard was i was doing a show with turner sparks and oh, yeah. his oh, he's one of those where his family supports him and and all their friends so he's got all these senior citizens that pack all his shows. Of course, this was true 20 years ago when I met Turner. So I don't know how those senior citizens are still alive. But yeah, yeah. they found something to keep them young. It's Turner's comedy. That's it might be it. Turner's comedy yeah. keeps you young. If you're out there, go check out Turner Sparks. It'll keep you young. But my favorite part was we were about to start. And Turner's doing his introduction. And I hear a woman yell, Harold, Harold, wake up. They're starting the show. Just yeah. beats any heckle. It's beautiful. Um, um, yeah. We mentioned 800 Pound Gorilla Records earlier. Uh, tell me about your album. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I, st- I have some copies still. I don't know if that's a sign of success or not. So <laughs> you actually produced physical copies. I did. Did you guys do okay. that or no? No, I did with stand-up records. And then once I went to 800 Pound, I got kind of tired of hauling around CDs. The sales were getting slower and slower. Sure. Um, I had kids at shows telling me I literally don't own anything that will play that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, I, well, look me I up online. Found it would only it would just be like a thing to like if they enjoy the show and want to want you to like sign something and have it's like yep. there's there's something and then they'll they'll buy that. But and they want to give part, you some money. Exactly. There's like, how can I just tip you? You know, and right. that that's always cool. But I would I feel like digital is I mean really the way to go now. It's like, yeah, Spotify on Apple all that stuff so oh and uh and serious uh yeah. one thing i really like about our label is they've done a really good job at getting us play on serious now your That's album amazing. uh your album which is um i'm gonna get the title right dual citizen yeah um 
Before we get into the content of the album and the title, uh, it was a featured album, right? On yeah. Sirius? Uh, which channel? It was on Laugh USA. Um, I yeah. thought so, but then I listened to it. How'd you get it on Laugh USA? It's not that. It's not <laughs> clean. I thought you had to yeah. be squeaky clean for Laugh USA. There's, it's pretty clean. There's like one or two like parts that are aren't super super clean. Okay. And maybe like it's weird because I'm like not really political, but there's something like slightly political in there. I slipped a little political in mine on yeah. that channel too. Did they did they not want you to have it political on there when for you? Right. Were they telling you? Okay. Well, which I'm not. People think I'm political because I'm so political, but my comedy's not super political anyway. Sure, I would say it's more like personal. From what I've seen from yourself, it's more like personal experience. Yeah. Than being like than preaching. Yeah. So the politics will color it here and there, but. Yeah. But yeah, have, but, yeah. So you said you did get a little political on it. Yeah. Just so you know, a little bit. There was like some some areas. Like somebody commented one time was like, "Oh, I love this like progressive liberal humor," and I was like, "I never thought that's what I was." <laughs> what about the opposite? I had someone hear me on Laughs USA talking about. I mean, this isn't that political. I talked about how when I I didn't want to say the Pledge of Allegiance when I was in junior high. Yeah, yeah. Some dude went and found me on YouTube. So he could tell me what a horrible, unpatriotic so, piece of garbage I am. You know, that's, that blows my mind how, like, I don't know, whatever you made that person feel that they're going to spend the time to, like, I don't know how to reach this guy, but I need to reach him. <laughs> like, they I don't got, even know you. Yeah, yeah. I have but to tell him he's garbage. It is a sign of, it's, it is a good thing. It's a sign of success, I think, that somebody, right. somebody did that. So uh, did, did you get, uh, you're too sweet. No, I have had some stuff. Yeah, well, tell me about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> after the Netflix thing I did, there was a guy who messaged me, because I say this thing in the song, two things. I'm like, Ukrainian family, a baby mouse. These are two things hiding in my house. And he, <laughs> well, it's just a stupid joke, because it rhymes. And um, he really took offense to the Ukrainian family thing. And it's, oh, wow. And, He's not even Ukrainian. (laughs) No, of course not, because anyone who was actually Ukrainian would have laughed at it. Yeah, they were like, dude, I'm so stoked that you brought up Ukraine and our thing, represent. Right, uh, right. I think those people, sometimes they're just looking for somewhere to be mad, and I'm grateful. I'm like, it's like therapy for them, so I'm grateful to give them that. (laughs) that You gave him an outlet for some of his anger. Yeah. Yeah, that's good for you. Um, And uh, why dual citizen? Dual citizen. At the time, I had just written a joke that was about dual citizenship, and it's not like it was my strongest joke. But I felt like um, Ryan at 800 Pound Gorilla Records asked me, like, "Have I come up with a title?" Like, it's usually cool when it's a joke within your thing, based off a joke, right. and has something to do with your identity. And I, I thought at the time that my a lot of my comedy came from having the perspective of both being from the Philippines, having that culture and living in America. So it was like being able to look at American things, but like as a Filipino immigrant or like with Filipino culture. So you felt that that was a part of your comedy voice? Yeah, as a part of my, I would say even now, it's like a part of like my lens, like the perspective of like sure. seeing things. Yeah. And then also as a performer, you travel more than just about any other comedian that, that I know personally, other than, you know, other than the big, big guys who I've opened sure. for or whatever. Um, where, where all have you performed? I know you, you've been to Japan. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of, let's see, like all, all around Asia. So did Japan, Philippines, Indonesia, Singapore, Malaysia. And I'd say that's a lot of Asia. And then in Europe, I did France and um I did Amsterdam as well, and then yeah. and then Canada and the states. So almost all fifty states now. There's like oh cool cool left. yeah, and you do a lot of colleges. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, a ton of colleges. I love your joke about going on your third world tour. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, my first tour, but only in the third world. So. Right. <laughs> Good yeah. stuff. Thank you. I was putting it on the tee, hoping you. Yeah, were... it was like we're like there's like a late night show where they're like, so tell right. me about your grandmother's golfing habits. Like, so specific. Yeah, like I heard, you know, <laughs> I, I heard you had a thing happen once to a, yeah. you. 
Um, and then in addition to the album, which I do recommend people go check out, uh, it's, it's a great record. And um, I can't say enough nice things about the label, which you actually hooked me up with. So they're, they're I'm great, forever man. grateful. I'm, I'm so glad you're on it, too. I mean, you know, you helped me get my start in stand up. Really, you know, I owe a lot to you for sure. So it's like, you know, I'm happy to I'm, I'm glad it sounds like it was it was a good experience for you. Oh, dude, they've been they've been wonderful. I'm on my third album with them now. That's insane. That's awesome. And I, it was really neat being able to. If I just get personal for a minute, it yeah. was really neat being able to talk to your mom in her dentist office and tell her your son hooked me up with the label that that is the reason I can afford to be in here letting you fix my teeth. That's so <laughs> awesome, man. Like That's so many awesome. other Americans, I didn't have any coverage at all all the way through my 20s. Yeah. Uh, my mouth was a mess. I needed things done. And then 800 Pound Gorilla, we, we had some hits. And uh, yeah, one of the first things I did was like, going to get my teeth fixed. And so I went to your mom. And to be able to tell her, yeah, JR made this happen for me. Wow, that's <laughs> cool, man. That, that gave, me, so, uh, gave me some goosebumps. Dude. That's really cool. It was, it was a neat cool. moment. And, you know, and your mom was like, ah, I told him he should be a dentist. <laughs> I know, you could be telling this to him. And you, you, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he could be the one back there fixing them. <laughs> so, um, so I wanted to ask you about the Netflix special next. Uh, that yeah. was cool. Yeah, it was fun. It was a great, super, super fun experience. And uh, I still like I have to keep the stuff from it to make sure I remember that I even did it. So really? What, why is that? Uh, well, I mean, not even that. It's just sort of like, you know, as comics, we do something and we just move on. We just like, you do a show and just keep going and all that stuff. And it is a reminder that like, whenever I'm moving forward, that it's like, Hey man, like, you know, you had this awesome experience, like enjoy that, celebrate that. Cause it is sure. easy. It's easy for me to just like do something and immediately feel like, well, then what's next? You know? So, yeah. 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 And I agree. I think anyone in, in the creative fields or, and you know what, sheesh, probably even if you work in the professional world, yeah, you do need to stop and remember those victories and those times when you kicked some ass. <laughs> yeah. What was the name of the series? It was the comedy lineup. 15 the comedy specials. lineup. Mm -hmm. Cool. And I remember two people who I know and like a lot, you and Kate Willett. Yeah. Both had specials. And that was super exciting. Uh, what was the taping like? It was, man, it's so fun. It's such a fun and uh, nerve-wracking experience. I was honestly, like, so, like, sc like scared that whole week, like, stressed in the sense yeah, of, like, yeah. oh, I just want it to be perfect, you know, that kind of thing. But, <laughs> and had you been scared like that in a while? That was, like, probably the biggest one I'd felt in, in my entire career journey, all of it. And I like, can imagine. Like we were staying at it, like they, they put us up in this hotel and I remember every day I had to go to the gym in the morning to just wake up and like get that, my nerves out. And so I had like a routine. Okay, just go to the gym. So, and then we're doing like me and Jack Knight, who was also on it. We were doing like two to three sets every night leading up to it. Just all around okay. town, bouncing around in a 15. And then the taping itself was just, um, you know, so, so professionally done. It yeah. Was yeah. Like cool to see that. Yeah. And, um, and I got to see, I was on the second night because they taped three nights. It was like Tuesday, okay. Wednesday, Thursday, something like that. So I got to see the taping on Tuesday and kind of see the behind the scenes, get to see what it's like with that crowd and how the other comics did it, what worked, what didn't. And they also would, they did, um, you had two shots at it. So you would have an early show and a late show. And oh, cool. Oh, I didn't realize they did that. So each comedian got to take two sets? Yes. Yeah. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. So, so that was, it was, um, and it was so fun. Like every, everyone in the crew, like, I guess it always depends on the production company that they hire, but everyone there was so like professional and happy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that it was just, uh, I felt good. Like even from the wardrobe department to the person doing your makeup to like the talent coordinator telling you where to go. And like, so you don't get lost as a dumb comic. Like they were all, right. Right. Yeah. Really, really friendly. And like, um, uplifting. So any chance, any chance I, I could feel nervous, like they helped take that away just through like talking on set. Yeah, man. When you, when you get a surly makeup person, that's the worst. <laughs> yeah. does that no, this is a, it does. <laughs> really? So I, I sit down and I have a cold sore on my lip and I'm like, Oh shit. I'm, I'm taping this thing for Smosh. 
Yeah. And it was a pretty big production they were doing. And so I sit down with the makeup girl and I try, you know, just between me and her, I go, hey, I got this on my lip. And she goes, don't worry about it, hon. I'll, I'll cover it right up. And she covers it up beautifully. It's gone. doesn't exist anymore. And so then I go to thank her and I go, oh, thanks for, for covering the cold sore. And she yells really loud, a cold sore? You have a freaking cold sore? I'm like, I oh, told no. you. You covered it. She's like, I thought it was just a mark you had or something. Oh, my. This is now trash. And she's throwing all her makeup and, and applicating things away and screaming yeah. at him. The whole place is looking at me. I'm like, yeah, oh, no. that's me. I have a herpie. I, I got herpie all over her makeup. <laughs> yeah. That was the worst. So appreciate your good makeup artist. Dude, that's, Cheerful. A, that's an amazing story. And I also just love whenever somebody uses a herpie in the singular. You know? Right. You, you don't hear that enough. I have a herpie. I don't know if it's accurate <laughs> or not. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I promised I'd save some time for it. So let's talk about what you and I really want to talk about. And that's... Oh, yeah van life dude wait so did you ever take it like tell me tell i want to hear your well whatever you, you go ahead i'm, I'm going to keep mine posting. quick because this is your q a okay um but i will tell you you kids today that i in the early 90s uh did the entire united states border in an old volkswagen bus wow there were no cell phones That's no amazing. wi-fi no laptop. Yeah. <laughs> we went to AAA and we got triptychs, which were little maps that they would put in a booklet for you based on where you wanted to go. Um, it was incredible. And uh, yeah. we spent two months living in the, in the van doing that. And then after that, time and time again, I tried to convince my wife to move into a van with me. Mm-hmm. Especially after there were laptops and cell phones. I was like, baby, it'd be it's easy so much now. Easier. Yeah. I still have not convinced her. Um, Man, that's awesome. That's so but you awesome. tell me, you tell me your van life. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, I haven't really been doing it during the quarantine pandemic, whatever title this this year will take. But yes. um, I started it in July of last year, and I bought this converted Ford Transit. So it looks like a it looks like a creeper van, really. But it's like okay. a, it's like a white white windowless van. But it's a high roof, so it kind of looks like a Sprinter. Cool, cool. And it's this, I want to say it's the same model as the Amazon Prime vans that are going around everywhere. Right. It looks like that. And um, the inside is converted into like almost like an RV where there's like a bed, kitchen, like sink. Yeah. Did you do the conversion or did you buy it that way? I'm just, I'm, I just like that you even thought I could do it. You know, that's really nice. No, I didn't convert you're, it. You're young. <laughs> young people yeah. can do anything. Yeah, anything is possible. No, um, I bought it already converted from the previous owner. And um, cool, cool. I've been around with it. So I did this trip. There, In the beginning, it was tough because as soon as I bought it, I was called to do something in L.A. I had to stay in town for a little, a few months. I was like, oh, damn. Okay. So I was basically just like living in L.A. in my van. And, nice. Dude, parking at my the church that I go to, I parked there in the parking lot. It was like, I, I hope no one's watching from the church, but I would uh, – I would like take showers in their like baptismal font. It was amazing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was getting baptized like every day. It was crazy. Oh, right. You are very, very holy at this point. <laughs> every time I put the shower on, I have to be like, do you accept the Lord and Savior as Jesus Christ? And, you know, I was like, yes. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But, Otherwise, uh, you're, you're going to stay stinky and dirty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The water is doing nothing. <laughs> Cleanse my soul and also my armpits and my hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But. So, um, and I was also staying at the beach. So I would switch between the PCH, uh, my church. Um, there was this park in Burbank that was amazing. And, uh, and where else? Oh, anytime I would have a meeting, it'd be so crazy because I would park my van like in a neighborhood a little bit outside of Beverly Hills. So okay. it was just like the, the like, what's the word I'm looking for? The um, comparison between like, okay, I'm, like sleeping in this van and then going to this like meeting where everyone's wearing suits and all that stuff. Right. I thought it was so, it was just so funny. But after that I did, I was able to do a few trips to um, basically just around the Southwest. Like I went to Zion a few times, went through like the Grand Canyon um, cool, cool. and did like shows along the way, Las Vegas, Long Beach. Just, yeah. Dude, I have driven by the Grand Canyon so many times now without ever stopping. 
Yeah, because it's just like old for you now, or no? I've never stopped. I want to. Oh. I want to see the Grand Canyon. And there's oh, always okay. some reason why I'm like, oh man, I'm you know, you know, it's not like you even have a tight schedule usually when you're on the road, but there'll always yeah. be something that I can't, I don't oh. stop at the Grand Canyon one of these days. Let's do a show at the Grand Canyon. Exactly. Exactly. Down at the bottom in the Grand Canyon that you have to for sure, and so there's no excuse now. Yeah, we got to do it. Yeah. Um, do you have a Do you have a toilet in the van? No. So do you have a jar that you pee in? Spill the poop in there. All poop. Yeah. No, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I did do, I, um, I mean, I would stop off a lot. It'd be like, I, I would, even though I had the kitchen, it was like kind of a bitch to like do the dishes in there a lot of times. Yeah. So I was like, I would try to limit, um, I would just like limit how many dishes I had to do. So I ate out quite a bit still. And I would, I was like showering at like Planet Fitness to like save on. Okay. There was a van I saw that was three feet longer they had a shower and toilet, but I was just like, I I wanted to still have space to like drive around and park and stuff. So right, and I did do the pee bottle thing a few times, like for a good while. On that Everyone long. who's ever stayed in a van for any significant amount of time has peed in a jar or a bottle for sure. Oh yeah, it's it's crazy how quickly I got used to it. And, and, and I was, yeah, peeing outside too. You peeing on a bush, peeing on a wall. Sure. Yeah, if you're like in the grand, if you're somewhere like in nature, it's like this is a great opportunity to pee outside. <laughs> it's not that, that's like a, a feature yeah that's part of the good good part ah, i had a lovely outdoor piss today just Man. really communed with nature really though just in nature you, you're not peeing on a lot of i feel like if a bathroom if a, if a gas station tells me i can't use their bathroom uh-huh. then i'm entitled to pee on their wall oh that's amazing yeah that's that's, that's my awesome. philosophy even now, not living in a van, just driving back and forth. Because, uh, you know, Sacramento comedians drive a lot. Because yeah. we're always going to the Bay Area or Tahoe or L.A. Totally. Um, I peed on a lot of oh, bathroom on, walls. I've peed on a lot of buildings, for sure. But okay, that, good, good. That was a whole other reason. Like, Diego knows this story well in Arizona. I got really drunk. This um, We were at this after party. They took us to, like, a strip club or something. And I was so drunk out of my mind. And okay. we're leaving, and I don't know why I thought we could just walk back to the hotel, Diego and I. I'm like, bro, let's just okay. walk. It's so far away, it was in, uh, Phoenix. And I just, when I was that blackout drunk, I used to just go, start running. And okay. In that, I, <laughs> I'll try and remember this about you. <laughs> yeah. That's well, a good I, thing to know. He uh, might just start running. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just be ready. And I would yeah. start running, and I, was, I would pee on buildings. At that time, my explanation was like, uh, it's... It's like, a, like, this is how you show dominance, you know? This is how you show that. <laughs> I was trying to claim dominance in my life, I guess. Yeah. That time. Uh, how did it work? I mean, do you feel uh, like you, you succeeded? No. 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 So if we get the JR book to achieve success, there's not yeah. going to be a chapter about pissing on buildings? <laughs> no. There, there will be a chapter, but it won't be the success story. It'll be a rock bottom story. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. This is this is where you're starting, not what you're emulating. Um, yeah, I wanted to ask you about something because of what's uh, a thing that's trending on Twitter right now, or at least it was the last time I looked. Um, Tyler Joseph from mm. 21 Pilots. Okay. Uh, people are talking about his responsibility to speak up during these times with the social justice issues and with um, so much going on in, in politics. Mm-hmm. And you and I just talked about the fact that we're maybe more political in our actual lives than we are in our comedy. Um, I was wondering how that feels right now with this kind of moment that we're all experiencing for social justice. Uh, how does that affect you and your approach to comedy and to writing. Yeah, man, that's fascinating. I almost want to ask you the exact same question after this. You know? <laughs> um, but I feel like there was a, I feel like having a platform, I, I don't know, I, I felt this responsibility in the beginning where I was just like, oh, I have to ask to have, like, I have to use my platform for something. And in the beginning, right. it didn't feel right away that it was like comedic. Like I, I just, emotionally i wasn't ready to like be funny and that's odd because yeah. it's sort of our job it's sort of our job and so but what i was doing at the time was like making a lot of music and um 
during the beginning, during like sort of the like every, events with like George Floyd, like I wrote just serious music about that. And that was good because almost like therapy where it's like, I think you have to just creatively be where you're at. I, I couldn't really force myself to just do funny stuff and process that. And then eventually sort of see how, what my comedic opinion was on that. It's like the whole, like, was it tragedy plus time? I think I still needed time, which is why I'm always sure. impressed at people who are right away able to say something really eloquent, spot on and funny. Um, it's, uh, it's something that I'm like, as a comic, I feel like I'm still growing. It's something that I would like to get better at. Uh, yeah. You know, my answer would be almost the same. I'm, I'm amazed by people that can do that. And I find that when I, I mean, I just fell on my face with a joke that I tried to make about Trump's reelection where people thought it was too mean. <laughs> really? Oh, this is like via zoom, Twitter. Like, yeah, I did a, a live show from Luna's cafe okay. with Luna's empty, just, you know, me and a cameraman and (laughs) uh so yeah i am amazed at people that can walk that line but the other thing i find that's hard and and, uh i'm wondering if you run into this as well something happens and now we have twitter everyone has a platform you make a political joke you make a topical joke and you look and six people have beaten you to it (laughs) yeah yeah so you not only have to learn how to make a serious thing funny but then you are in competition. If, if you're talking about your life, you're not in competition with that many people. You have led an sure. unusual life. You're a unique guy. I think both of us kind of take that approach. Yeah, because um, no one has your story, so it can't be yeah. redone or you're not at risk of somebody being like, oh, hey, that's my thing. But there's a million people on Twitter right now chattering about Trump. Real hard to hit an original note. It's all Trump or WAP, the... Wet pussy song. <laughs> oh, like, I'm sorry. I don't mean to correct you. I, I believe it's wet and gushy. Oh, <laughs> I understand. You might have heard it wrong. Yes, yes. I'm hearing it in some weird outlet. I think it's always funny when the cleaned up version sounds dirtier. I'm like gushy. Ooh, gushy. That's a word. <laughs> yeah, that's very graphic. Yeah, if my wife ever said gushy to me, I'd blush. I'd be like, ooh, gushy. Really? Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious man that's it though that's where the topical humor is at right is tr- trumping and that's really it man when people whap, whap. i'll do some lives and i'll have people give me a topic to like improvise a song about and, and that's it those are like the two things i get all the time like <laughs> can you just talk about what we're going through the frontliners and the pandemic and 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 the election biden and trump and then one person and wet ass like, pussy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wet ass pussy I want to know, how do you feel about wet-ass pussy? And that sparks, that, that's what unites everyone is that part. So I have a great way for us to close this out. Why don't you grab your guitar and play wet-ass pussy for us? Oh, yeah, okay. I don't know it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you in a position to do a song? Or do we have to send them to your album? Um, I can play a song. What, what song? Any, any requests? No. Well, I mean, I do, I do always enjoy hearing about uh, the blue-eyed black boys. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, uh, I'm trying to think of, I'm, I, I do have my guitar here. If, you guys want, if, you if I was professional, I would have prepared you for this in advance. Well, let's see, there's Katie and, and someone, somebody has a name that's a lot of numbers. If anyone watching has a topic that they want to hear a song about, I could improvise something. Oh, Otherwise, I know. I How about WAP? Yeah. <laughs> okay, no, 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 not really. That was no. my weak, weak attempt at a callback. Yeah. <laughs> you had some good callbacks throughout this. So. But um, I could play a song. Are well, the comments frozen? Because Katie's been commenting like crazy, and then all of a sudden it's just been bah ha ha, I remember, for a few I, minutes now. I think it'll be uh, it lags. So sometimes, like, Saul so okay. will say something, and then five minutes later they'll be like, ha, huh, whatever. That thing you said. Yeah. All right. Why don't, why don't you play a classic for us? Okay. I'll play. I don't know if you heard this one. I have a song. Well, let's see. I have. Let's, I'm trying to think of. Um, have you have you heard conservative in the streets, liberal in the sheets? Oh, you know that sounds familiar. But if I have, it's okay. I'll do that one. Been a bit. Been a minute. I know the sound is better without the AirPods. So can you hear this? Okay. It does. Okay. It, it improved immediately. Yeah. Sweet. 
All right. So this song, like, you know, speaking of not being super political, it's really not even a political song. It's just trying to unite the political tensions with, uh, with some sex stuff. So, okay, good. Katie wants to hear Asian guys can smash, but I'm going to do. <laughs> it's too late, Katie. <laughs> it's too late. All right. Ooh, yeah. She's a conservative in the streets, but a liberal in the sheets. In the bedroom, we can agree. Cause I lean to the left, she leans to the right. Let's lean in together, we can fuck all night. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I clean that line up, but not right now. <laughs> not here. Yeah. Uh, girl, if you ran for president, well, I would get behind you and a push. <laughs> I voted for Obama, but you know I still love me some push. Yeah. Yeah, some 2012 presidential references right there. Nice. You know? <laughs> <laughs> They've aged well. <laughs> yeah. Republican or Democrat, girl, I'm okay with that. Tea Party Libertarian, as long as I can get it in. I don't care who you vote for, as long as I'm the one in your Oval Office. By Oval Office, I mean wet and gushy. <laughs> there you go. We, you know, topical. Very good. <laughs> Let's make America make love again. Let's make America make love again. There we go. Fantastic. Oh, that was great. Yeah. I want to be your hype man. I'll go on stage with you. Yeah. <laughs> and when you say the Bush line, I'll just lean in and go, he was president before Obama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just throw in like little hype lines every once in a while. Yeah. Just Okay. And with that abrupt ending, because that's the way the internets are sometimes, uh, you have my interview with my friend, the very funny comedian, J.R. de Guzman. And I hope you will go check out some more of his stuff. Uh, that's so awesome that he got to actually play and sing for us a bit. Um, and I hope it's not too much longer before you can go see him live and go see me live. In the meanwhile, I hope you'll go see me on Amazon Prime. My special Not For Rehire is still playing there. And just like the podcast, I really uh, benefit from reviews. So I've got like over 100 of them so far. I could use more, but uh, also subscribe and review to the podcast. Uh, I have been your host, Keith Lowell Jensen. Thanks to my producer, Joe Honor. Our original art was done by Joe Honor. The editor and audio engineer is Jack Matrenga. Joe and Jack are both with Hyperpixel, a production company with a focus on digital marketing and e-commerce, offering daily management of your website, social media accounts, and digital marketing campaigns. Our original theme song was done by DJ Real. And once again, thanks to our sponsor, Burley Beverages. Go check them out at burleybeverages.com and use the code KLJRULES with a Z uh, for 15% off all their good stuff. Subscribe, review, tell a friend. I love you. Bye-bye. Mwah.